It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking the podcast on the road this season. We want you to come with us. We're heading to Tampa. We're heading to Nashville. We're heading to New Orleans and maybe a couple other surprises. Thanks to fansofphilly.com. That's P-H-A-N-S, fansofphilly.com. They put all the packages together for us. We're going to hit the road. Set it and forget it. Four-star hotels, direct flights, tickets to the game, tailgates, pregame festivities, and can be a part of our show's as we're there the whole weekend, wherever we are going. Fansofphilly.com. Make sure you use the code BGN so we all stick together and come have fun with us as we cheer on our Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and take over every stadium that we are in this season. Fansofphilly.com. Promo code BGN. You're listening to BGN Radio. Oh, un flea flicker. Clement, a falls. Hombre abierto para la izquierda. Torrey Smith. Completo. Touchdown! Touchdown! Philadelphia! Qué clase de jugada! No lo creo! No lo creo! Ay, papá! Qué clase de jugada! Yo, it is BGN Radio, episode number 315, aka the 315, which I have no idea where it is, but. Uh, that's okay, because I am James Seltzer. This is episode 315, and with me, I get the distinct pleasure of getting to chat. Eagles, OTAs, all kinds of crazy stuff going on right now with my favorite, the man, the myth, the legend, the man who is indeed taller than Robert Covington. It's on the internet. There is proof. And of course, the editor-in-chief at BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. Brandon Lee Gotten, BLG. James, uh, I think the 315 is from the state you were born in, so maybe you Get should know that. Get out of here, a little MY, huh? Yeah, New York. It's uh, I think it's like North Central New York, and indeed, I was photographed with, you know, I mean, Robert Covington obviously wanted his picture with me, so we made that happen. Yeah, uh, we he, set was, that he up. was clamoring for it. Like He was like, <laughs> I can't leave unless this happens. It was it was honestly though the, the lottery party was great man you were there I was there Johnny was there uh, Vince all, everyone Brian Coulter Fritz uh, Casey Young all, Jack I mean I was gonna get to him at the very last but you know everyone was there all of our good friends 
Spike, obviously, it was great. To, Mike Levin, who who name dropped me, obviously in the the very important uh, JC Jason Kelsey recreation speech. It was it was a great time. I think this, you know, in terms of getting the pick at ten was most anticlimactic lottery party yet. But in terms of most enjoyable, I think this one was awesome. Yeah, no, shout out to Spike and Mike and what those guys do. And L.L. Pavorsky, who is the, the greatest guy in the world. And we had a great time at his party there for uh, for everybody. And yeah, man, it's amazing. Like, we are so uh, humbled and grateful that anyone listens to us and is interested in what we have to say and stuff. But like what those guys have done with like the the unique kind of moment in time that they've captured, it's like. It's almost cult-like in the most awesome way possible. I mean, you go there and every single person there is wearing one of their shirts. I'm like, where am James, I? There was a wedding. It's a cult. There was a wedding. <laughs> it's a cult. Exactly. But but a, but a very cool, awesome cult. And uh, shout yes. out to those guys. They do a great job. And uh, it was a blast. I'll say the, uh, the Imagine video with all the process guys was my favorite part of the night. That was uh, that was incredibly, incredibly cool and very well put together and, and got some of the biggest pops. But shout out to Roco for showing up. Uh, certainly walked into the single room on the planet that would give him the biggest possible reception. I guarantee you that. So, uh, so it was fun. Uh, all right, BLG. Uh, uh, I don't know why we've spent so much time talking about that considering there is only one real podcast, correct? So... Uh, why don't we dive in? A lot going on with the Eagles, and we'll get to some of this stuff coming up in just a little bit. Is uh, Lane Johnson is uh, is about as loose a guy as we've had in terms of talking to the media and saying things in a while, but we'll get to that in a bit. I want to start, BLG, obviously. Big stuff coming up here. The first OTAs as Super Bowl champions for the Philadelphia Eagles, which is um, just a very cool thing to see those guys get back out on the field and have this whole new perspective on it, but... Uh, we're going to dive in and kind of talk about what we're looking to see. But first and foremost, BLG, for those who might not be as familiar with the offseason workouts and all that stuff, give, can you give a quick thumbnail idea of kind of what the OTAs are? Yeah, I mean, they're completely useless. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> we have had, go back and search our archives. We have definitely argued about this one way or another. I certainly lean more towards the useless side, but... For so for the from the players' perspective, um, and you hear them talk about it, it's so they can get in here and kind of just get to know the playbook, especially some of the newer guys. I think that's who it's probably you know most important for some of these free agent signings, some of the rookies here, kind of just trying to get up to speed. So when training camp gets here, there's no more real instruction period at that point. It's all just go go go. Uh, it's a lot more fast-paced. You're expected to know the playbook in full by then. Spring, they're kind of still testing things out. You're kind of still learning things. It's not quite at that full speed yet. I think, to me, what I take away from OTAs, watching it as a reporter, is that it's part of the picture in terms of, hey, uh, is this guy playing really well in the spring? Okay, that's great. But is he going to do it in training camp? And if not, then the spring doesn't really mean much at all. But on the other hand... If it's this guy who kind of comes out of nowhere and he looks good in the spring, I'm kind of like, hmm, I wonder if he'll be able to do that in training camp. And then if he does there and a guy like that would be Marcus Johnson from last year, then like all of a sudden he's not just this random guy who he was coming into OTs for a lot of people. He was a guy who by the end of the summer, we were like, that guy's actually a lock to make this team. So there are guys that can stand out and you kind of figure out. And it's, it's obviously not the key guys. I mean, Marcus Johnson barely played last year, so it's not this big, exciting revelation necessarily, 
but it's still kind of putting the pieces in place, figuring out the roster. You know, you're going to have all these 53-man roster predictions. I'll have mine up on Bleeding Green Nation, hopefully, by the time you are hearing this. Uh, I have that scheduled for Thursday. So it's just that kind of year where, uh, or that time of year where, in a way, things are winding down because it's OTAs and then minicamp for three days and then nothing until training camp but at the same time like it's it's also kind of the start of the new season where you're getting all these new faces in the same place new coaching staff might grow in terms of you know him being the offensive coordinator and press taylor moving up the quarterback coach and such so you have those new faces in there or uh, in at least the new roles and you're kind of just trying to work through everything and get ready for training camp yeah i look i think uh you kind of make the point like there's not too much that maybe you could take away from the OTAs, but I think you can certainly start to see signs with rookies, like you said, or a guy like Marcus Johnson, who who kind of, you know, you saw, saw those signs first in OTAs and then a strong training camp and so on and so forth, but I think you can also see it with rookies a lot who will fall behind kind of the reverse there. We we always see it with the guys in the Pac-10, right, who can't come over and, and how, like, those guys always seem to be behind and the coaches really seem to be you know, bothered by it. I know Chip Kelly was more than most, but um, he loved to draft Pac-10 guys, and and yet he's still yeah. antithetical, you might say, VLG. But who knows what the hell that guy was doing? It all worked out, is uh, is the way I look at it. But um, I, I do think you can set a tone. I think also, I think as a team, you can kind of set a tone, especially this year where they are the Super Bowl champions and they are coming back to try and repeat something that as we've talked about a ton is is so incredibly rare and hard to do uh you know i think everything counts and i think you come back and and you're the super bowl champs and you set a tone for for what work is going to be for the team but at the same time look they're not in pads it's not real football I, i think you're looking for people who are working hard i think the coaches are looking for younger guys who are coachable uh and you're looking for little things like that maybe people are in really good shape already, like whatever, you know, but uh, I, I agree. I don't think you're going to take too much away until we start to see the guys on the field. But like you said, BLG, there will be names that will come out of this or guys you might not have been thinking as much about who will make an impression here that will carry over and actually mean something come roster cut down size or whatever. So there's a lot to want to pay attention to. So let's dive in and kind of on a macro sense, let's start on the offensive side of the ball, BLG. What are a couple of things that you're really looking for? Again, with the the caveat over this whole conversation that you can only take so much away from OTAs, but offensive side of the ball, what are you looking for? I mean, it's it has to be Carson Wentz. It always starts with Carson Wentz. He is the always answer. and forever. Always and forever. Uh, he's not expected to participate at all. That's what Doug Peterson said during his press conference before rookie minicamp on Friday last week. So it's not like we're expecting to see much out of him, but presumably he will be out there in some capacity doing some kind of something, uh, rehab, whatever. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, we saw him throwing a little bit in that video the Eagles released from their phase two of their workouts so far. And then there wasn't even that picture of him in a red jersey, which kind of doesn't make sense at all if he's not practicing. So I don't know what the deal is, but you can you know rest assured there will be approximately 5 billion photos and videos of Carson Wentz when he is first seen on the field out there. So that's obviously the big thing. And then sticking with the quarterback position there, 
I'm really interested to see how our boy, James, our boy, Nate Studfeld. Nate Studfeld throwing studies out there I, in the OTAs. I'm really interested. To, this is his first full offseason of the team, you know, after joining the team late, uh, after he got waived by Washington in final cuts last year. I think Studfeld, our boy Studfeld, could have like a really good offseason. I really do. I think he could just kind of, especially relative to expectations, because we kind of just don't know much. And I think he could look pretty good for a uh, as far as third string quarterbacks go. Or well, in this case, he'll get a lot of teams or a lot of reps with the you know the second team guys because mm-hmm. Carson isn't there yet. So that and that's big. That's big for this team figuring out where he's at because if he has an awesome summer and you know Carson's projecting to be great, and some team comes calling for Nick Foles because either there's an injury or they're just not happy with their quarterback situation. Like think about maybe. You know, like Miami, if Ryan Tannehill is just like sucking all season, all summer long, and they're like, man, we got to do something. Uh, and if, if Sudfeld's playing well and Wentz is healthy, and then it's like, hey, you know, Nick Foles is suddenly expendable. So I'm really interested to see Carson's progress and what Nate Studfeld looks like in OTs. Very on-brand answer for you to say two of the three quarterbacks on this team and find a way to not say the third guy. I actually, it's really funny (laughs) because even before you started talking, the name that I wrote down that I'm most interested to see is Nick Foles. And and I didn't say that because of what you said or just to irk you a little bit. But I, I'm actually interested to see because, and I've said this a few times, but when I, when I watch the uh, the like mic'd up or whatever it is, the um you know the the NFL films thing that they made where you could see uh, the Super Bowl and and all the players who are mic'd up and stuff, and and my number one biggest takeaway from that was the swagger and the confidence and the leadership that Nick Foles had. I had never seen that from him. I had never seen that like calmness in the face of, of such a massive moment, all that type of stuff. He was the one who was like, don't worry guys, we got this, we got this all like a, such confidence. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see him come on to the OTA field as the, as the Super Bowl winning quarterback and see if that swagger carries over. And, and like you said, BLG, whether, uh, cause I do, th- I agree with you on Sudveld, at least in the sense that I think what we saw from him, the little bit, he's clearly athletic. He's got an arm. He can maybe make some plays. He, he seemed decent enough for for you know the situations he was put in but um uh, you know I, I, and also the coaching staff clearly likes him a lot we've discussed that before but i still i think to see nick Foles come out especially because we don't know with Wentz, we talk a lot about him being ready but i thought doug peterson's comments uh last friday i believe it was uh, about the injury and saying like you know yeah we want him back but i'm not going to expose him you remember the sydney jones thing like i'm not going to put him out there before he's ready and obviously, we'll get into those discussions down the road. Who knows? Carson thinks he'll be ready. I, I believe him. I love him. He's a beast. Who knows? And he's young and all that type of stuff. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Nick Foles handles coming in as the Super Bowl winning quarterback, the guy who th- theoretically could start week one, and also the guy who there have been trade rumors about and who's talked about wanting to start again and all that type of stuff. So it's a very interesting dynamic in my mind for the Super Bowl winning quarterback coming back to the team with Carson there progressing. So I, it's so funny you said that because because Foles was mine. Um, outside of that, I think the running backs will be interesting with bringing in Matt Jones and, and Josh Adams. And um, Do you have any idea, BLG? I'm assuming we won't see either Sproles or Peters in any real form. Yeah, with Sproles, Doug Peterson had even talked about that. I was listening to an interview with uh, that Dave Spadaro did for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. 
And, you know, they're going to take it easy on Sproles, obviously. We might see him doing some rehab kind of stuff. It's not like he's going to be doing nothing at all, I believe. But um, Right, right. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, so we'll see that. Uh, running back's pretty interesting, James. Like, I'm almost tempted to just go position by position now. But, I'm, but running back's interesting because a lot of question marks here in terms of, like, is Donnell Pumphrey, is he going to be able to actually show anything? Can Wendell Smallwood stay healthy? Uh, can Jay Ajayi? I mean, that's a guy who I think they're they're probably going to try to manage his workload, even in OTAs. I think, you know, they're going to try to take it easy on him. I'm really interested to see. You know, I think uh, an underrated kind of big topic that some people have talked about is can Corey Komet step up and be the actual lead guy? Like, mm-hmm. is it is it impossible? I don't think it's impossible. Am I counting on it? I'm not counting on it, but I don't think it's impossible. So that'll be interesting to see how he does. I mean, he brought in Matt Jones. We'll see if he can actually hold on to the ball. That's pretty important. Um, and then Josh Adams isn't really practicing right now. So, you know, we, we James, you just mentioned those Pac-12 guys, which thankfully the Eagles really don't have those guys this year, at least in the draft picks. Uh, so that's good. But then you have a guy with an injury like that, and that's potentially going to hurt his chances here. And it's kind of unclear exactly when he'll be back. But that's another thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, great point about the running backs. And we'll more or less go position by position, maybe clump a few together. But um, I'm with you, Pumphrey. I think that's an interesting dynamic. Matt Jones, I'm not the biggest Matt Jones fan. Uh, so, I, 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 yeah, I like... I didn't. I wasn't with you guys last week when you talked about it, but that was one of those signings where I was just like, whatever. You know, like, who knows? Yeah. You know, I, 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 but... We'll see. I, I like. I I feel more. I, I like Josh Adams. I, I agree with you. It's a shame he has the injury because we talked about that before, right? Like, even if he's healthy for training camp, he's behind when you miss this yeah. stuff, and it really seems to matter the most for the younger guys. So I, I agree with you. I think that's something to watch. As for the Corey Clement thing, I agree with you. My gut instinct is that he can be an outstanding, you know, pass catching third down-ish type running back, but I don't see him being the the durable take the beating every down kind of back, but I also doubted Corey Clement in the past and that was yeah. stupid. So, I don't know. He's awesome. He's a really talented guy and and I he was the number one guy at Wisconsin and I really liked him there and I could certainly see that if I just had to bet my life one way or the other. And look, I also don't think you have to have, like if you have a guy like Clement who can be a second or third down back in a league as, as diverse and, and we're passing heavy and, and with a head coach as creative offensively as Doug Peterson, I don't know if those roles matter in the same way they used to. I, you know, I think it's more that, that how many touches are you going to get and how are you getting in an open space and what are you doing with the ball? And, you know, Corey Clement maybe doesn't need to get a ton of carries to impact the game, and maybe you get someone else who's better at that specific thing. But I, I do think it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. And like you said, with the Jai and the workload, I, I agree. I think the wide receiver position we don't really need to dive into too much. You know, Alshon we won't see. Um, you know, we know what Aguilar is, and um, you know, obviously Matt Collins will be interesting to see how he develops. But I. I yes. do think that the offensive line is pretty fascinating when you think about the Jason Peters factor. Big V coming back after winning the Super Bowl. Um, wh- where are they at right now? And obviously we'll get to uh, to Lane uh, the Mouth Johnson. Uh, but um, just <laughs> The Mouth of the South. The Mouth <laughs> of the South. But um, uh, in terms of on the field stuff, 
what are you looking at here? It, Jason Peters, how do you see this situation? Is there any chance? I know Peters has been progressing, it seems, very quickly. Is there any chance we see him doing more than some on-the-side training during OTAs? Yeah, the only thing I'll say about receiver quick is that I want to see how Shelton Gibson does. I, this, I, I knew you were going to say that, and I should have said it's a good point because he was a fifth-round pick he last year. He dropped everything last yeah, summer. Yeah, and except, they kept him. But he, but he kind of came on late. For as much crap as I gave Shelton Gibson, like later in camp, he really just started looking a lot better, and even in the preseason too. And So he, he kind of came on really late there, but, man, it was brutal. So I'm kind of interested to see, all right, does are the drops done? Is, this, uh, is he really going to pick up from where he left off? late in camp last year so that'll be interesting to see but as far as the offense and then another quick thing i want to keep an eye on is richard davis as a returner not so much as a receiver but that dude was a pretty good returner in college when you look at his stats he was averaging 23 yards per punt return that's crazy and he had four touchdowns in his senior season so another name to file away there but as far as the offensive line goes uh honestly I can't get a lot out of it, and especially in OTA's practice. I mean, I agree. If you're not in pads, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's not a lot. Um, as as far as Jason Peters goes, everything seems to. It's kind of funny. I was thinking about it today, whereas like I know Carson and him got hurt at different times. It was about two months difference, but it's like there's almost been exactly no skepticism about Jason Peters being ready, right? Like. Whereas as there is with the Carson went so much with Jason Peters, it's like, yeah, he'll be back. No question. Yeah, it's asked. a great like, point. And he's 36 kind of years old and has yeah. had two torn Achilles. I think it'll be fine because Jason Peters is a freak of nature. I would not bet against that man, just like I would not bet against Carson Wentz. I just don't think those are smart bets to take against those kind of people. But uh, it'll be interesting to see his progress. And look, even if Jason Peters was 100%, Doug is going to rest him in OTAs because look, like, why does Jason Peters need to be out there like going every rep in OTAs? It just, it just doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so I, I totally agree with th- you. That'll I think be a that, big uh, chance for Big it V doesn't to do make a lot sense. of work. Well, what's that? Yeah, I to- I, I totally agree with you there. I, I like. I think that uh, you know, look, we've seen Jason Peters miss OTAs in the past. I don't see any reason why he would need to do them with the ACL. And I agree on the the macro sense that it's hard to really see anything from an offensive line perspective. And also, um, you know, outside of the Big V, Jason Peters situation, you feel pretty good about the other four guys coming back and being ready to go. And, and you know, we haven't had any real injury issues with those guys in the offseason, like some other spots we'll talk about in a sec. But um, I agree with you, not too much to see there. And, and I like the Sheldon Gibson call, too. I, I think that could be interesting to watch, especially like you said before, if he can have a Marcus Johnson type of OTAs where where he kind of you know shows off that speed and is catching everything thrown his way, I, I think that could be a really interesting name. Uh, I, I like that call out, BLG. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Wait, 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 wait. One more thing before we get to the defense. Oh, the tight ends. Yeah, Dall- Dallas got Goddard. it. <laughs> yeah, I thought I honestly in my head it was like a given. Like, of course you yeah. want to see what Goddard's like. I should have just and, said that at the top. And Billy Brown, I want to see what I want to see if Billy Brown is anything because last year he just stood out. I remember first day of OTAs clearly like he it was just, he was just huge. Like he just stood out immediately. I was like that dude is huge. So I want to see if he can be anything as well. That's what people say about you, BLJ. 
That's true. Like, that dude is huge. It is yeah. funny, though, uh, like the other night, for example, at the lottery party. Anytime you go out with BLG and you, you meet people who maybe have not seen him before or seen a picture or anything like that, <laughs> but listen to the show, uh, to a man, to a woman, whatever it is, they'll say to me, oh, my God, you weren't lying. He really is that tall. And I'm like, yeah, no, he really is. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, I love now, this idea that we're just making up that I'm tall. I know. It's like it's just this <laughs> weird joke. Um, but like weird, absurd joke, but, um, the Robert Covington thing, I think puts it to bed as well. Uh, but I'm sure people will make it into a Yanni Laurel thing where they somehow see something different or it's a trick photography or something like that. All right. Uh, BLG defensive side of the ball. What is the, the number one thing you're looking at? Well, the defensive line situation, I'll group that section as a whole there. I mean, Brandon Graham, apparently, and this is something we want to talk about here is that Brandon Graham is reportedly, uh, expected to miss some time here is dealing with a, a ankle and, and first of all let's take a, a just uh, some dedicated time here to praise how awesome Brandon yes. Graham is yes that's what I was gonna high say ankle yep. sprain through the playoffs makes the most important play in Eagles franchise history by strip sacking Tom Brady and virtually sealing the Eagles first Super Bowl win that dude is a beast I want to pay him all the money in the world. I love that guy. Uh, just give him all the money. Come on. That guy is awesome. It's a shame he's going to be missing some time here with an ankle sprain, but it sounds like he'll be okay. I know our own BGN Radio's own. John Barchard said, you know, it's there's some concern it could linger, but Brandon Graham himself apparently texted Jeff McLean, said he's only uh, he expects to be back by late July at the latest there, kind of when training camp is beginning. So hopefully that's true. Hopefully he will be back because he is a very important player for this team. But with him being out, I will say it'll be interesting to see Derek Barnett get more reps. Derek Barnett's only 21 still, James. That is crazy to me. Like He's, he's going to be 22 soon, but he's just so young. And it was this time last year that I remember first day of practice, OTH practice, where we're, we're seeing uh, Lane Johnson at left tackle, kind of giving Jason Peters a breather and Derek Barnett on day one is already kind of just pulling out spin moves. And look, Lane Johnson obviously got the best of him on a number of reps, but there were times where you just saw Derek Barnett flash and that was great. And we saw that in his rookie season as well. And he had some off season groin surgery, but I think he'll be ready for camp. I mean, our OTAs here just based on that timeline that Jimmy Kempsey reported. So I'm really interested to see year two of Derek Barnett. We always talk about year one to year two. We were saying that with Carson Wentz last year a ton. I think with Derek Barnett, I'm really intrigued to see if he can step up and be and become even more of molding into this very uh, fearsome defensive end. I, I couldn't agree more with you. And look, we, we talk all about BG making the best defensive play in Eagles history, and he certainly did. But the addendum to that was the guy who had the awareness to hop on the ball, and that was Derek Barnett as well. And we don't shout him out enough. Obviously not the same thing as what uh, what Graham did, but still um, I think certainly worthy of of more um, you know praise than maybe we heap on it, picked up the biggest fumble in, in Eagles history. Um, so I'm with you, man. And I think we saw that just, I think, you know, we talked a ton about the bend and all that, but I think what we really saw was the advanced moves that guy had, how ready he was to step into an NFL game and be able to, uh, you know, have moves against NFL offensive linemen and not get tricked by them and be able to trick them and, and have the strength and speed and bend and all that to get by them. It was, 
It was awesome to watch. And I'm with you, BLG. I think his future is so incredibly bright and excited to see that next step, year one to year two, as you said. A, a, the, the biggest, as many say, the biggest jump year you will see for NFL players. You know, Once they get the feel of the speed of the game and what the season is like that next year, they can come back and really, you know, if they're going to be great, do that. Um, I, I'll take, uh, I was thinking the defensive line as well, but I, I was thinking in terms of my overall more the interior is what yeah. I'm most interested to look at for obviously. Obvious reasons the whole Timmy Jernigan thing is as who knows what happened and and why it happened and where he's at and what his career could be from here forward or what his Eagles career could be from here forward or his NFL career yeah exactly that is so um but what we do know is that they're gonna have to account without him for a little while and uh, you know Haloti Nada I'm, I'm interested to see how he looks obviously at the injury last year uh, obviously, I'm really excited to see how Elijah Qualls progresses. Yeah. You know, that's a guy they like. That's a guy we like, friend of BGN Radio. And a guy I yeah. liked coming out of college, too. We all did. And, and you know, his quick feet. And I think that um, he's a kind of guy who might not be a big, beefy run stopper, but I think could, could be a good... Um, guy to get some pressure there with his feet and his ability to move around in there and... Um, you know, kind of fill that Bo Allen role a little bit more as Bo obviously blossomed last year. And, you know, for what it's worth, Bo Allen, a seventh-round pick, Elijah Qualls, a sixth-round pick. So it's not a crazy thought. And, um, you know, obviously some other interesting names in there as well. I know we'll see Michael Bennett on the inside at times and whatever, but, you know, I feel like it's you might not see much of Michael Bennett in OTAs, or if you do, it's not Yeah, someone. we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you do, it's you know what you're – you feel like you know somewhat you're, what you're going to get, at least from an on-field perspective from Bennett. Um, all right. And what about Bruce Hector, James? Are that, you, well, are I was you in, uh, well, I uh, sure. It's a great name. He, he he. Did you see he got the two most, first names? I love that. He got the most guaranteed money of any Eagles undrafted free. That's. Agent I mean, that's so. interesting, right? Like that's, that's an a, interesting that's thing. To keep an eye on. And then uh, Cedric Thornton, by the way, who's not on the roster. Yes, right I meant to mention that. Go to bleedinggreennation dot com. Yeah. That's where I found out about that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see if they sign him too. They also looked at uh, Courtney Upshaw, as we know worked him out as well so we'll see if they make another veteran addition there and what that could mean you know maybe the young guys step up and they don't add that vet but maybe you know they feel like they have to so we'll see yeah said uh uh was just a really great guy uh when he was here and great nickname too swamp yeah swamp a great nickname and really like like i said a good guy uh one of those people who a player who always remembered you always talked to you just a, just a good dude um so and and I don't think we ever begrudged him going and getting whatever money he could, especially getting it from the Cowboys. And he played pretty bad for the Cowboys, so I, I feel like part of that was him just being a true eagle. Uh, yes. But uh, but BLG, all right, let's flip to the rest of the defense, and, and we could just go position group by position group and, and go linebacker then the secondary. I think linebacker really interesting spot. Obviously, Jordan Hicks <laughs> on the way back. We don't know we're going to get there, and then Michael Kendrick's still on this team. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like Bradham, I, I think we all probably feel the most safe about in terms of what we're going to get. Hicks from the injury perspective, Kendrick from the Kendrick's from the who the hell knows perspective. And then you got Corey Nelson and Paul Warlow added to the mix. BLG, like, what do you make of this kind of all of a sudden uh, a mass of linebackers? I think Corey Nelson probably is the guy that sticks out here as far as the linebackers go, because apparently they brought this guy in to kind of be their new weak side linebacker, or at the very, very least, compete for the job, which, look, if he's awesome, uh, if Corey Nelson plays great, why are we keeping Mike, Michael Kendricks? 
at that point. Like, why? He's making $7.6 million at that point. If somehow Nelson gets ahead of him, or even Nate Gary, who I'm also interested to see in year two. Agreed. Especially since, I mean, and he looked good at times in practice last year. I'm not saying he's an all-star, but he it was his first really, I mean, the Eagles drafted him after he played safety in college and they moved him to linebacker. Now he's had a full year to kind of be able to transition more into that position. I'm kind of really interested to see what he's picked up, how he's worked on his body. I'm sure at either, you know, adding some weight here. Uh, so there are some guys to keep an eye on there. And that's, that's certain, certainly a position when it comes to coverage that we can, you know, see in these drills, you're not going to see, you know, the physicality and the tackling element as much, but look, I mean, today's NFL coverage is, probably you know pretty more important anyway so we'll get to see that um is there anyone there james that i didn't mention that really sticks out no i I think you hit on it and i think you hit on really just the interesting point real quick before i I move on uh, kendricks what's the deal in terms of june one cut like how much would they save what what would be the deal if they can't find someone to take him let's say do you think they cut him is that beneficial or is it too much dead cat money it's a good question. I don't think it's impossible. I will say that. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it would. It's happen that detrimental that that. You well, th- so you think even, they'd keep them? That you think they'd even, keep him? Even just if it's like an Alan Barber situation last year, where they, they find a seventh rounder at the last and, minute, yeah. yeah, and and I and I think they could get more for Kendricks. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, at the very worst, I think it would be that because yeah. just because. I'm sure there's some team that could use a linebacker out there. Now, the tricky thing is, like, in wanting to trade Kendrick, someone else has to take on that salary. And that's the issue. Yeah, this is the issue. But still, you know, there could be injuries in camp. It could be a situation where a team feels okay about their linebackers, and then, like, they just turn out to suck in OTAs, and they're like, man, we got to make a move here. So I still think, I say it every freaking podcast at this point, I still think, by the NFL trade deadline, which is in late October, early November sometime, I just don't think he's going to be on the roster by then. Yeah, sure. I feel like we, we've been there, done that. Um, it's uh, different, man. I'm uh, telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's different in terms of situation. He's the, he's the new Jaleel Okafor. Eventually he'll get traded, uh-huh. but I'll believe it when it actually happens. Um, uh, but obviously he's a Super Bowl champion, so eight trillion times better Jaleel Okafor. But uh, BLG... Um, I think you hit it. I don't think there are too many other questions, at least in my mind, from the linebacker position. Uh, you know, Joe Walker was the other name that kind of sticks out as someone you're looking to see if he can come back from that injury as someone they liked a lot and seemed like he was in line to get some some potential real reps last season if he had not hurt himself. So um, I think that's another interesting guy. But I think the, the more interesting situation is in the secondary. I, we can both agree. I think the most obvious spot that we will be looking at is the slot corner position and maybe even arguably it's the it's the position that you're looking at the most defensively in OTAs what are you expecting to see I know Avante Maddox is in the running do you see them potentially moving someone like Mills in there and taking reps there seeing Sidney Jones I feel like watching the cornerback position across the board could be one of the more fascinating things at uh, the OTAs especially because like you just said it's not as much about the tackling as it is about the sticking with guys. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be one of those things where people just rush to tweet this out first because like, who are the corners for this team? Like who are the guys? Like, I mean, we know Ronald Darby and dot, dot, dot. 
but some people would, wouldn't even say it's him, and I would disagree with them, but some people would probably say it's going to be Mills and Sidney Jones. And I think I think if you're assuming that Sidney Jones just steps into this lineup as a day one starter, I think you're wrong. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think now it could end up that way by the time the regular season gets it's here. It's a great sure, point, but I'm, I'm saying in OTAs, look, like, I can't stress this enough that Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. Like, he loves him. Uh, our good friend Bo Wolf uh, mentioned before that uh, Jim Schwartz's son has, like, a Jalen Mills jersey. He was, like, wearing that at the NFC Championship game. And, and, and when I say Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills, he names drops him in press conferences where, like, he'll be asked a question that doesn't even have anything to do directly with Jalen Mills, and let's just start talking about him. He loves Jalen Mills. We know this. So I don't see that guy easily just being moved to the bench. And I think Ronald Darby, you know, he's entering a contract year. So I think you're going to get his best and he's going to be healthy now. And they obviously traded for him last year. So they like him too. I think those are your two guys right now on the outside. And that doesn't mean Sidney Jones won't play. I think it's we're possibly looking at where you move Jalen Mills into the slot and then in those situations, you have Sidney Jones come in off the bench to play the outside. Or I don't think it's impossible that we could see Jones in the slot. I'm not really counting on it, but that's another possibility. The Eagles have a lot of possibilities with these corners. You could see Avante Maddox get some reps, I'm sure, in there. Um, you could see DJ Killings. That's a dark horse name to keep an eye out on. Uh, and here's why. Because last year... During, I think it was right after the NFC Championship game or after the Falcons game in the playoffs, where Nelson Aguilar tweets something like, Man, DJ Killings, I don't know like how this came about, but he was like, Man, DJ Killings was awesome in practice this year. And to me, I'm thinking, Okay, Nelson Aguilar is playing the slot. So that must mean DJ Killings is getting looks at slot corner in practice. So that's another name to keep an eye on, especially because honestly, it's just a great name. And I'm That's very excited to make that the hashtag of this podcast. It's such a good name. I'm going to write that down in our little hashtag options here. Uh, make sure I don't forget that. So a lot of, a lot of different combinations they could really go with here and it'll be interesting. I know again, I know John Barchard thinks Sidney Jones is going to be this instant Ben Simmons player. I, you know, I don't know if you listen to the replay, on Saturday, James, but I, I kind of joked with him that if that's a if that is the case, and Sidney Jones is Ben Simmons, then Sidney Jones has no shot. It's a very bad hey! joke. But yeah, there we go. Too soon, BLG. Um, look, I, I think you make some really good points. I actually a hundred percent agree with you, and I'm I'm one who is a massive Sidney Jones fan and I get where John's coming from, but that I think the enthusiasm is taking over a little too much as well because Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby were just the starting cornerbacks in the Super Bowl champion team. And at least early on, I feel like that's going to matter to this defensive coordinator and this team. And, And even if the defense didn't have their best game there, those are his guys they went to war with. And we've seen what Jim Schwartz is like with his guys. You know, how many times have we had guys come here like Nigel Bradham where it's, it's, it's a Jim Schwartz guy? And I think you make a great point about Mills. And I think that Mills and Darby have earned the right to, to you know, it's their job to lose, as it were, BLG. It's a meritocracy no matter what. I, I, you know, you play the best you're going you're gonna to play. But I, I think they've earned the right to have it be their job to lose and, and be Sidney Jones, be the challenger. And again, look, Sidney Jones has not 
ever had an NFL training camp. He's never had NFL OTAs. He's never been through the grind of a season. It's different than basketball. You can come in as a, a rookie or a you know, second-year guy, whatever, in basketball and be, you know, if you're athletically better, if you have better vision, if you have this, that, whatever, like you can be one of the better players right away. It's so rare, so rare that that happens in football and even more rare that it happens in a position like cornerback. Jalen Ramsey is... Literally the only example I can think of, or one of the few examples of someone who's a real true number one, and Marcus Peters was good as a rookie, and and other guys, but it's rare. It's really tough to to learn how to play cornerback at the NFL level against you know NFL receivers, and I think it's going to take Sidney Jones a little time, and I think it's unfair to expect him to step in and start right away like that and and unseat. Two guys who, you know, uh, like you said, with Darby, a ton of talent and a guy they like. And I think, uh, you know, who before the injury, you know, he got, we barely saw him before the injury and struggled some after. But I think I'm a, I think he's going to be really good. I'm a big fan. And and like you said, a contract year. And, and then Jalen Mills, who is, you know, was a, a, a beast for them last year and really, you know, obviously has his issues with the sluggos and this and that. But, he really stepped up and uh, you know made that play in the Falcons game that was potentially the the best defensive play of that game and um uh, yeah, I'm with you BLG I think those guys have earned the right to to be the starters there. Um interesting too as well the slot. I think Vontae Maddox could get snaps right away. He's really talented and he's a perfect fit for that spot. Regardless, it's really nice to actually be talking about a a depth problem with corner having too many cornerbacks for too few spots is a really really good thing to be talking about we mentioned Russell Douglas you expect more from in year two I don't even know where they're going to get snaps for these guys BLG Um, that's the thing thing, right but um, sticking with the secondary real quick uh, obviously the starters at safety we know what we're getting but Trey Sullivan is a name you hear a lot anyone else kind of stick out as maybe the potential next Corey Graham there yeah, I mean, it could be Corey Graham himself coming back. Uh, it's a it's a really interesting spot for me, at least when I look at this Eagles third safety position. Because look, I mean, Corey Graham played thirty six percent of the snaps during the regular season. That's another not, Jim Schwartz guy, by the way. Another Jim Schwartz guy, and that's not insignificant. And think about this: he played sixty percent of the snaps in the playoffs. Now that's only three games. But that's pretty, you know, like that's a lot of snaps. Totally and agree. He played, he played, and another, I'll put it this way too. He played 64 snaps in the Super Bowl. James, that is four fewer <laughs> snaps legit. than Fletcher Cox played in the that's Super crazy. Bowl. That's crazy. Like, like it's not, this is not an insignificant role at all. Like, this is something that I think they really need to figure out here. And um, having that guy, you know, allows them to move Malcolm Jenkins around if they want to put him in the slot against a Larry Fitzgerald or a Jordan Reed, one of those bigger slot guys that he kind of matches up well against, or if they have to use him at linebacker in certain packages. To have that versatility, you really need that third safety there. Or, or even if they don't want to do that and you just want to keep Malcolm Jenkins on the back end, like if he gets hurt or if Rodney McLeod gets hurt, like who is starting? Like I, I don't know. There's there's no clear answer right now. It could be Trey Sullivan. That is a guy who obviously just, I mean, come on. He he literally hospitalized a Packers rookie wide receiver last year, which is terrifying, and it's great that that player is okay. But just the fact that you saw that hard-hitting ability out of Trey Sullivan. And look, when I watched that guy in training camp, he could cover too. So I'm intrigued by him. That is a guy that Joe Douglas specifically name-dropped in his pre 
draft press conference. He didn't. It wasn't those situation where he was asked about him and he said nice things. He kind of just brought it up on his own when talking about the safety position. So I'm interested to see Trey Sullivan. Obviously, Jeremy Reeves is getting a ton of hype. Another hard hitting, physical kind of guy went undrafted. Uh, you know, was had a visit with the Eagles, so we know they like him. Obviously, if they're spending that resource on him, he is a shot here. But these are young guys, and they're undrafted for a reason. We can't just assume like they're going to be studs, right? I mean, I think people get excited by the positives you see with them, and hopefully it does turn out okay. But it's not, it's not a guarantee. You know, these guys could take time to develop. No, it's the opposite of a guarantee. It's very unlikely. Hope, it's unlikely, hope. and... Look, you need immediate kind of impact at this position almost when you're looking at, again, if there's an injury or something like that, which hopefully doesn't happen. And I think that's why it's not impossible that Corey Graham could be re-signed at some point. I don't think they're rushing out to sign him. I think they'll kind of see. That's another thing what OTAs are useful for, kind of talking back back about that again, where the team can kind of feel out, okay, where are we at safety? Are the young guys playing well? Yes. Okay, then we don't need to re-sign Corey Graham. On the flip side, if they're struggling, maybe you got to bring him back. I do think it's interesting, James, that the Eagles still haven't given away number 24, and they could have. They're, they're limited on jerseys here. Uh, that's that's kind of open still. Yeah, so I think they're kind of keeping that door open. I don't think they want to go there. No, but I, think if they I know have what you to, mean. I Like yeah. they might a mutual thing. Hey, Corey, if you don't find something you like, this is this is the number we could probably take you back at. Um, if it works out, it works out. Maybe there's something like that. Who knows? Um, I do think it's interesting they haven't given 24 out. You know, it's that's that's something, BLG, and, and we can latch on to something. Um, all right, BLG, anything else you want to hit on? And, and everybody, go to bleedinggreennation.com. And of course, we'll be talking about it, but every day at bleedinggreennation.com during OTAs, so much content. BLG pumps information out. All the staff going to be bringing you beautiful, awesome OTA content. But BLG, before we talk about the mouth, uh, is there anything else from OTAs you want to bring up? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this, James, because I, one name that we probably should have mentioned that I forgot to was Isaac Sumalo. That's probably one ah. of the yeah the biggest names to really watch here in OTAs because when you think about the Eagles season last year and pretty much everyone played better than expected, I mean, Isaac Sumalo was like the one guy who sticks out who just had a very disappointing year coming in as the unquestioned starter pretty much at totally. right, our left guard. And then getting demoted on only after only two games, two games like this is the guy who they traded away Barber. They felt so good about Somalo starting that they did that. And they felt so good about him that they didn't give reps to really anyone else like Warmack or uh, Wiz even in training camp at all. And two games go by and he's benched and rightfully so he, he was stinking up the joint. But is his career over? Like, is is that is this who he is? Is he this this bad player now? I mean, I don't. I, this is his last chance, I guess, kind of where uh, he's gonna. We'll we'll see where he is. Like, where's he even going to be playing? That's the other thing. He can play all positions. So, is he going to be that backup center? That's a spot where the Eagles really don't have anyone behind Jason Kelsey right now, unless you're shifting Wiz over there, which is possible. So, I'm really interested to see where. Isaac Sumalo is in his third year. Yeah, I think he's that backup center guard and tackle in a pinch. It kind of, you know, can save your roster spot if you have a guy who can play all three positions, tackle in a pinch, obviously. And look, they, they devoted a third round pick to him a couple years ago, so I, I don't think they're ready to give up on him. 
especially because, you know, they did seem to like him enough to, to give him the shot to start. And obviously that KC game was a disaster. He potentially lost in that game. But at the same time, um, I'm not ready to give up on old Ike Samalo, but I'm with you, BLG. It's a real, I think it's a really important year for him that he has to show them something. And, uh, you know, we hope he doesn't get the opportunity to show anything in, in NFL, in an actual <laughs> NFL true. game, but like, we'll see, you know, I think, you know, at realistically speaking, at some point he will play depending on an injury here, injury there. It's tough to keep all those guys all year. And uh, I think it's going to be important to see what he does with that stuff. Uh, all right, BLG, speaking of the offensive line, uh, one of them just, doesn't give a fuck. Uh, Lane Johnson spouting out against the Patriots. He did it a little bit after the Super Bowl, talking about how it seemed like a terribly unfun place to play and the culture of fear and all that. And now he just uh, he couldn't keep his mouth shut, BLG. And he's uh, he's uh, on, I think, the Steve Austin podcast I heard. I don't yes. know. That Stone Cold Steve Austin, that Steve Austin? It is. That is, yeah. that is amazing. Um, but uh, look, uh, uh, and he you know, comes out and, and rips them and basically insinuated that Belichick was talking shit to Peterson. And, oh, he just said it outright. Yeah, he and then Kraft was talking shit. It. Yeah, it was so crazy stuff. So That's first, interesting. Well, first and foremost, what did you think of the content of what he had to say? And then, like, how do you feel about it? Because, like, on the one hand, obviously, it's it's like, yeah, Lane, get him. But on the other hand, it's like, all right, you know, like, maybe, we, you know, we don't need to be, like, popping off too much and let's go back no and no get to no it. i disagree i think it's fine i think it's i, t- I think it's well, that's totally what i'm fine. asking it's, i'm giving you both sides here um i think it's it's great honestly i mean someone deserves someone should call them out because look they are obviously a great organization but they're not flawless they're not unbeatable and i think that's lane's point like he hears this all the time i think that's what he was getting sick of he was getting sick of this idea that like it's not even possible the eagles could even win the super bowl because it was just the patriots and all week long and all in our two weeks, really leading up to the Super Bowl, you're just getting asked about Belichick and Brady over and over. And he's just like, I'm tired of this shit, man. Uh, and that's fine. Yeah. And, and the fact that he I mean, that's it was really interesting. That really popped out to me. The thing he said about Lurie and Belichick totally. specifically. And like, I don't know how true that is. I, it's, it's, it it like, seemed to me like, look, I, I'm not saying Lane, you know, I don't know one way or the other, but. It just seems weird. Like that doesn't. It is weird. Like what the fuck does Robert Kraft care about talking shit to Jeffrey Lurie? Like, well, really? Lurie is a Boston guy, so I don't. I know, know but, but like, and then playful banter, or whatever, between billionaires. Like, I don't know. Like, but that, maybe it wasn't. And maybe I know, he heard it's, that's what I'm saying. It totally that could be. It totally could be. But it's just, I, it seems so strange. I'm not saying I don't believe him. I'm just saying it seems incredibly strange. And like, what is Bell? I mean, who knows? Maybe Belichick said Peterson was dumb, or who knows? But it just, it seems. <laughs> so strange to me blg and they're cheaters man like they we like it's not even a debate it's not even like i'm being uh what like homer or conspiracy guy like they literally got punished for cheating like they they cheat and it raises the question like what haven't they got caught for when it comes to cheating and why is tom brady okay with making significantly less money than other top quarterbacks like are they paying him under the table like it raises a bunch of questions and i think you know, they, they get away with a lot of this stuff, potentially, or, or they were for a while, at least, before they actually got punished for some of this cheating. So I don't have a problem with Lane calling him out. Um, I think he did show them some respect later on in that podcast. He was talking about how 
look, you know, one thing I do credit the Patriots with is they have had this longevity of success, and that's something we need to figure out how to have. So, you know, he gave him some respect where it was due, but I don't, there's no need to bow down to them. And I think that's what Lane Johnson was getting at a lot. Like, look, uh, it's they're not this great mythical thing that everyone always makes them out to be they can be beat and we proved it and i think he's really just relishing in that which is very appropriate to me yeah and look i also think to except for that i also think he's saying that's not the way you have to win and we've heard that kind of message coming is like we have fun and we won and you know, there's this this whole culture of fear up there and don't speak to the media and this and that. And he's like, you don't have to do that. Like, you can win without doing that crap. And I, I think that that is, um, look, it wouldn't be within the message he is sending if he weren't sending it, right? Like, if he weren't having fun, if he weren't loose, if he didn't feel like Doug Peterson would have his back, if all that stuff, he wouldn't be saying it. So uh, I've, And the Eagles wouldn't have won. Exactly. So, uh, very clearly, we've talked about that a ton. So, I- I'm with you. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's funny. And, and like you said, he's, he has gone out of his way to, you know, when he was talking even before and he's like you know i want to beat the goat i want to beat his ass you know whatever like he still gives them the credit that they deserve but also i think rightfully signaling that that way is is coming to an end and maybe we've seen it come to an end the eagle at the hands of the eagles the eagles broke the patriots i love it all right blg um Coming up for those uh, those who are interested, uh, the 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 few, the beautiful, the wonderful of you out there who still watch Survivor, BLG and I are going to give a little Survivor chat heading into the season finale coming up in a quick little Easter egg after. But any final thoughts on the birds, BLG, or anything else before we uh, we allow the vast majority of our audience to leave and those few Survivor nerds to stay? Yeah, uh, not a whole lot, man. No WIP show this week, so. I mean, still listen to the station, obviously, but I'm just telling you, we're not going to be on it. Um, we are. What are we? Going <laughs> there will to be, be no WIP be? this week. It is. It is yeah, not no on. WIP at all. <laughs> um, but you know, we will obviously be in full force here once OTAs start up. Johnny and I will be down there um, again. That starts next Tuesday, May 22nd, right after practice. I'll have my practice notes up. Well, I'm sure we'll try to get a podcast together after that. Um, it'll be fun. We have a, so it's a total of seven open practices from now until uh, where rookie or sorry mandatory mini camp ends in mid June there on June fourteenth. So we'll get to see what this team looks like, the early signs of the two thousand eight team, and that'll be our last glimpse at them before it's a month off or so until training camp begins in late July. So let's enjoy this little window we have into some Eagles football before it kind of gets shut. And then we start all over again, James. Yes. The the path to title number two, win it for Carson. And, uh, and uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. It's uh, I'll say it one more time. We get to have OTAs as Super Bowl champions. That's good enough. For me, all right, if you want a little Survivor talk, that is coming up next. Otherwise, you are all wonderful. Rate, review, give us the reviews. We're getting close to that pizza party. BLG needs it for his soul. Rate, review on iTunes. Ratings. We're getting there. Me- it means the world. Uh, and uh, for the absent John Barchard and, and the whole crew, 
Uh, and of course, Mr. Brandon League out, and I'm James Seltzer. Again, go to bleedinggreennation.com all week long for the OTAs and MLV covered here as well. So thank you for listening to episode 315 of BGN Radio. You want to talk to some Survivor, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're heading into the finals. Uh, our boy, our man, our guy, Wendell, uh, heading into the finale looking all right, BLG. Looking good. Uh, final six. Spoilers. Yeah, to. spoilers alerts for anyone who hasn't watched the most recent episode of Survivor, uh, uh, which was last night, probably for most people listening, Wednesday night. Yeah, so we're down to the final six here. Correct. One episode left. It'll be great, the finale, of course. And really, of those six, I mean, come on. What, three can win? Really? Yeah, and I think two. I think it's coming down to Wendell and Dominic, personally. Most likely two. I would say three have like a at least like plausible chance yeah laurel could theoretically win but an outside chance yeah i think i i I think the most interesting kind of thing that i've thought about and heard other people talk about obviously uh, if you're a big survivor fan and don't know already check out rob sesternio's podcast at uh, rob has a podcast it is a blast but um i've heard it over there some other places but the, the idea that at this point the way this season has been shown to us as viewers and the stories we've been told I actually don't think either of them are going to cut the other before the final or, or they try and it's a fire challenge, but I feel like it almost has to come down to those two at the end. Cause otherwise it's just going to feel like such a clear victory for, for the other one who is still alive. Right. And who wins James? I'm going to put you. Oh on my the, God. Uh, if it's the Steven Fishback. Oh, <laughs> I don't like to rank BLG. Um, <laughs> man. I, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, last week I would have said Dominic, this week, I actually think the Philly boy might pull it out. And and someone who potentially uh, could be on this podcast in the uh, future as well. But um, look, I think Ooh. I think that the Wendell, it's like a social game versus their strategic game. Both have played strategic and Wendell's had the most amazing reads. I can't believe that guy's, you know, balls and the reads he has on people. But um I think it's going to come down to a social game versus strategic. And I think that Wendell's connections are going to put him over the top, but I could see it going either way. How many people are going to be on the jury here? Uh, It's going to be seven people or no, 10 people on the jury, a 10 person jury, a big jury. What if we have like a five, five? Well, that, that, that could happen. And then as they said, the tiebreaker would be the third place finisher. So if it's a tiebreaker and let's say Laurel does go to the end with them, Um, she's definitely giving it to Wendell, right? So (laughs) yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. And, um, I think that at least for me, I, I don't see anyone but Dom or Wendell winning, but I could see either of them absolutely winning. 
And obviously, it would be awesome if it were Wendell uh, from Philly. But I like Dom too, and and it's been a a fun season. Uh, BLG generally, anything else kind of you're looking for in the finale, or is it just the the showdown? And I think it really could be a tie. I think that's a really good call because that was the whole thing with last season was they yeah. actually for the first time ever at the the finale for last season told everyone or excuse, for two seasons ago told everyone what game the changers, right? game changers told everyone what the tiebreak rules was after 34 years and with no like reason to and everyone theorized that it would be the next season might end in a tie both the next season and this season were filmed back to back so it could be this one that ended in a tie and they threw off oh the scent how crazy would that be be great it'd be it'd be great it'd be survivor history um, speaking of rules and things, I, I have to get your your take on this. Ooh, I love takes. the controversy, James, of the 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 um the puzzle, the immunity yes. puzzle results. I mean, he was clearly done first, but I, I think what they did was right. I, like, I, you have to say Jeff. Jeff's right. But like, do you have to? Like, is that explicitly defined somewhere? That's my thing. I, I've never seen anyone win a challenge without saying Jeff. I've never seen Jeff come over. I don't know. And because and like- of what Jeff said, the way he said it, where he's like, he's like, I don't know if it's your final answer. I don't know if you're still contemplating. Like, right. he just had his arms out in the air. Look, clearly, I, I think in this specific case, Wendell really did, was done and just kind of like, didn't yell and like just it wasn't mm. thinking but i think that's the correct call i think they made the correct call i think it's a little more interesting because i think if it's not explicitly defined which i don't think it was i think that's why jeff was like are you okay with this i think if like what if like uh you know kellen wins that or something instead of laurel and uh, he, wants he to fights dispute it that. to the I death think, yeah i i think there's kind of more gray area yeah. there than what is being shown I think it's uh I think they need to uh it's I think it's like a loophole that they kind of need to close up. I think they need to be like you need to say Jeff. Yes, like they have I agree to with you. And it. I think going forward they probably greater. will. I think they probably yeah. will. And yeah. that's the thing that the show has done really well is adapting and changing on the fly when things happen and 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 maybe changing the rules to suit situations as it happens if there isn't a rule explicitly set. Hey, this is good. Let's roll with it. But I think yeah. in this case, now that this has come up, I think I, I'm with you, and I think they certainly will do that. Um, but I, you're right, BLG. It was a really interesting situation because, you know, it's the kind of thing where if it's um, like the challenge or some of these other reality competitions, like they would check the tape. That's what they do. Yeah. And in this case, like if you saw it, it was very clear that Wendell would finish first. And if it was just a who's finished because first that's and what right, they say, James, you look at right? the tape. Like they say but I, first person to finish the puzzle. It's yeah, not first person it's a, to say it's it and a say great point, It's literally BLG. first You're person right. to finish. There like, is a little more gray area to it. I think that's really interesting. And I don't know what they would have done if Wendell had truly contested it. I think they probably would have still kept the call and Wendell just would have been like kind of screwed and it would have been a bad look for him. So I think he handled it correctly. Mm-hmm. But BLG, oh, I think yeah, you bring up a good point. And I, and I agree. I think moving forward, that has to be a rule that they set forth. I think it's a great point. I agree. Look at you. Such a stickler for Thanks, the buddy. rules. But in this case, I'm I know. With you. Um, I hope they bring that up on uh, Rob. It's a great, you should call him <laughs> with a voicemail question. I should. Brandon, first time, long time. <laughs> Brandon from Philadelphia, or Brandon from New Jersey, first time, yeah. long time. 
Like when you call in, do, well, like when I'm doing a solo show on WIP and BLG will call in and not call the VIP line and not call the producer. Oh, not, I, I do the VIP you, line. Now you do. We used to just call yeah. in, not tell the producer. And I would see I like have it before. Brandon in New Jersey. And I would go in and, and like no idea and be like, oh, hey. And I'm like, really? Like you just call, <laughs> you're like a caller. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Cold call. Yeah, that was great. Um, any other final thoughts on uh, on the season at large before we... Uh, before we get out of here, I think it's been a. It's not been a great season. I think it's been a good season. Good, not great. I, think, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I'm really. I I think more than ever. I think uh, in recent. I mean, I, I wanted Ben to win a lot, but I think more more than ever. Yeah, I mean, no, Wendell's the one guy. I want like, to we, win the most. We need. We need. We met him. We I mean, met him, else, and but. he was awesome. Like I'm watching it for the first time. Watching this show, I'm watching someone I've met, and then he could come on here and, and talk to exactly. us exactly. Uh, rooting heavily for Wendell, but I do Sixers like Dom a lot. But I'm rooting heavily for Wendell. Heavily. Yeah. If Dom wins, I'm not going to be like devastated. Right. But, but obviously, I do want Wendell to win. Yeah, me too. So shout out to Wendell. Go Wendell, and hopefully, he will be on this very podcast. Obviously, for the people who are still listening. Uh, they'll be excited about it. Everybody else, maybe not, but um, and BL- Bryce too. BLG and I will, yeah. B- and Bryce too is amazing and hilarious. People should listen to that just because he's awesome. But um, regardless, a uh, lot of fun, and uh, I think it's been a fun season, and some really great characters have emerged, and great people as Wendell. Obviously, was a really good dude when we met him. So, shout out to Wendell. Shout out to Philly. Hopefully, next week we will have a Philly uh, winner, and we'll, BLG and I'll come back at some point and give us give you our thoughts on it for the few still listening like Paul Borges out there and a few others. So uh, thank you to everyone again. Uh, BLG, uh, enjoy the Survivor finale, my friend. Indeed. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.